Hey guys, and welcome to episode two of the Audi's Vibes podcast, presented by Dune Road Lifestyle and hosted by me, Rex Chatterjee. On today's episode, we sit down with Montauk luminary Sasha Benz to discuss her rise to the top of the Audi's fashion scene and so much more. We've also got some great fitness advice from Montauk-based trainer, Danielle Waleko. Let's dive into it. All right, so before we get into the Sasha Benz interview you guys have all been waiting for, I wanted to touch base on an issue that has been pretty personal to uh, to me and to a lot of folks that I know, which is how do we stay fit? How do we keep you know our bodies healthy? How do we keep our minds healthy with all this COVID going on? I reached out to a contact of mine who's a sick personal trainer and is just an awesome human being, and her name's Danielle Waleko. And, you know, we offered her a spot on this episode just to come on and give some advice on what she thinks are the most crucial aspects and points to kind of think about when planning on a fitness regime that's going to last you through maybe the end of the year out of your own house or somewhere else that's socially distanced. So, yeah, here's Danielle. All right. Hey, guys, my name is Danielle Waleko. You can find me on Instagram at dwaleko or on Facebook at Danielle Waleko. Today, I'm here to share with you ways to improve your at-home fitness game. Super stoked about it. So, all right, guys. So most importantly, find a space. Find a space that you're comfortable being in, right? It doesn't have to be too big. Grab your mat, lay a towel out if you don't have a mat, and just that length is going to be fine. But make sure you find a space that you're comfortable in to move, to sweat. Also, dressing up is very important, right? Wake up, toss the PJs to the side or whatever you're in. Get in different clothes as if you were going to the gym, right? That's really motivational. Look at yourself in the mirror. Tell yourselves you can and you will. Because when you look good, you feel good and you do better. Also, signing up and committing to something's very important. So instead of being like, I'll do it in the morning, I'll sign up in the morning, maybe, just say yes, right? Because starting is the first step. Trying something is the first step. You can always try and not like it and try something else. But the first step to success, to growing, to seeing results is starting, right? So you need that starting point. Consistency and commitment is very important, especially in quarantine where you don't have those people constantly pushing you. You need to find that deep within yourself and you need to motivate, right? So toss that music on in the morning, tell yourself you signed up, log on, show up, and then show out. And grab yourself an accountability partner, right? So you can be in New York, and they can be in California. It doesn't have to be somebody next to you or near you. If they're here to inspire and to motivate, be like, hey, did you sign up for class? Oh, you didn't? Well, you should. You know, it's that little push that we need from other people sometimes. So it's always good to have them just in case you're feeling low. Also, if you're out in the Hamptons, check this out. We have plenty of beaches, plenty of outdoor spots. So you can go for a swim in the ocean. You can go paddle boarding. You can take a nice hot run on the sand, right? We have things to do besides being stuck in a gym. And even now that coronavirus is slowly, you know, stepping back a little bit and the, and the world is slowly starting to open up. Not sure it's the best idea to hit it hard right in the gyms again. So use your body. Don't be like, oh, I wish I was in the gym. You have your body. That's all you really need, right? If you want to invest in some weights, go for it. If you want to invest in a jump rope or bands, go for it by all means. Whatever you feel like you need to improve yourself, go grab it, go get it, and then bust that move. Take these tips, try them out, have fun with it. And if you guys need me, contact me on Instagram at dwaleko. That's spelled D-W-A-L-E-K-O. 
I have online classes Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 9.30. Feel free, reach out, and let's kick it. Sick advice, Danielle, and much appreciated. All right, guys. So our main guest for this episode is none other than Miss Sasha Benz. You might be one of her thousands of followers on Instagram at Sasha.Benz, or you might know her from being the founder of AllMyFriendsAreModels.com, the founder and CEO of mobile app Sync, that's C-I-N-Q, or the owner and really genius behind the chicest boutiques in Montauk, Wild Blue, Wild Black, and Baby Pop. And then, if that weren't enough, as director of partnerships for your favorite, Surf Lodge, Ms. Sasha Benz. Hello. Hi, how are you doing? Good. Glad you're here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, of course. I mean, how could we how could we not, honestly, if we're trying to do a survey of all of the sort of notable and really the people that are influencing the state of culture out in Montauk and in the greater Hamptons. I mean, you're a pivotal figure in that. So let's start from there and say, you know, how did you get involved with the scene out east? How did you come to sort of this position? Yeah, absolutely. I have to give my husband props for this. He was the one that brought us out here to begin with. So we were in the city for about six years and he is a surfer at heart. And so he was desperate to get out of the city and follow the waves. So he kind of followed it, uh, you know, pretty much down to Montauk and, and found out that this was a cool surf break. And we realized that it was a little bit more than that. There was a really awesome town, a great community. So we started coming out here a little bit more. And that's how we connected with the team at the Surf Lodge. And it was just, you know, a friendly kind of um, relationship at that point. And in 2014, the owner, Jema, uh, approached me and asked me if I would be interested in coming out as the creative director. Uh, It was a wildly you know, complete curveball for what we were doing. We were in the city, we were contemplating going to LA and we thought, you know what, F it, let's go to Montauk. So we packed up, um, moved out here and put everything in storage. And, you know, that was kind of like the end, that was the the beginning of the end, which is a pretty um, appropriate term considering that's where we are right now. But um, yeah, I've been here for six years. I was uh, the creative director at Surf Lodge for five years, became, you know, director of partnerships last year. And, you know, two kids later, a home, uh, another on the way. We've got four stores out here. It is um, home for us. That's awesome. Um, So wait, you said four stores. I only know of the three, I think. I know of um, obviously Wild Blue. Right. So the fourth is, is a little pop-up that we're doing and it's it's only happening for the month of July, but um, it's just a market. It's called The Market and it's a a little market store, kind of like a version of Buffalo Exchange. There are so many people out here in brands and sadly brands that had to close and shut down and they wanted to clear stock. So we're giving people an opportunity to come sell. You know, I love the idea of recycling fashion and kind of cutting out these big factories that are overproducing. Um, so we've set up shop and, and it's going really well. It's been two weeks now. Um, you know, my husband said it's almost like the shops for us are like children. We just keep having more and they're <laughs> all very different, but I guess, you know, it's the same formula. So we're just doing what we can in this period of time, you know, summer is quick and we have to monopolize off the, the season. So we're in the thick of it and we're in the crazy. So we're, why not one more? That's awesome. No. And so honestly, this is something that me and the, you know, the team over here have been, we were, you know, kicking back the ideas of, of um, you know, this episode 
and looking through the info and we were like, wow, Sasha Benz is a beast, right? Like just ideas to action to execution. We are thoroughly impressed, right? And, you know, being sort of a, a newer outfit ourselves, you know, we just can't help but admire, right? Like the the execution, the level of taking something that's just a concept and then turning it into, yeah, full-out pop-up, ready to go. Um, you know, it's just a big props, big props to... Uh, yeah, I love it. I love doing new projects. I'm, I feel like I'm perpetually tired all the time and I don't know if that's work or the kids, but it's definitely a good combination of both. But we have the luxury of, of kind of, you know, as I said, it's a seasonal town, so we really hit it hard during this time and then we travel a little bit with the family and I always seem to find some way to do work while I'm traveling. Um, whether it is another pop-up overseas. But we have this luxury. We kind of cram it all into this period and then I get to kind of breathe for a second. So it's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. It's not 24-7 year-round. Um, so I think that's what gives me the drive when you know that there's a little bit of a end point to, to work towards. Yeah, no, totally. That's, that's definitely true. Um, you know, in terms of the seasonality, it's something that, you know, people have to cram, I guess, all of their out east funds sort of between Memorial Day and Labor Day. And that's actually something we wanted to connect with you with um, directly, right? So obviously, in doing our background research, we came up on the article, and I believe it was the knot that covered uh, your and Ali's wedding. And first of all, again, congratulations, the event looked absolutely fantastic. The images that we saw were just, you know, phenomenally stylish. And so obviously, you as being the the person who styled all of it, um, big props to you again for that and your creative direction. It's it's really no wonder that uh, a brand like Surf Lodge sought you out, right? So that's clearly no mystery. But the point we were thinking about, right, was um, the idea of having to cram everything into one summer, right? And in terms of weddings, especially out east, which is a really popular destination for weddings, um, mm -hmm. summer, early fall, late spring as well. 2021 is probably going to see two years worth of weddings trying to happen in one oh, year, yeah. right? Yeah. Right? So there's going to be an influx of celebration, not just weddings, everything, everything that people missed out on, it's going to start flowing in as soon as, you know, people start easing up. So I think, yeah, you're right. That's definitely going to happen. But I think what people, you know, forget is that even though the season is memorial to labor, the best months are actually on either end of that in terms of capacity of people out here in terms of you know you you're not flooded with the craziness of everything and it's just absolutely beautiful so for me april and you know september october is the best time to be here so i think that's when most people try to monopolize and and host things and that it might you know be a little crowded but no, that I mean, that's fully true, right? I think the the early spring and especially the late fall when you still have what, you know, people call the Indian summer, right? The uh, yeah. the warm weather that continues down into October. I think that's, yeah, truly sort of the best part of it. But um, I, I yeah, I think we agree, right? It's going to be a massive influx next year. And so this is where I think, you know, your insight specifically might be some of the most relevant, you know, out there, which is if you want to have, you know, one of the super chic, super stylish weddings like you had, but now you have to compete with twice the amount of people for resources. So venues, florists, DJs, the whole nine yards, you know, what would be your advice to, uh, to a would-be bride next year to say, you know, this is how you pull it off? I mean, start thinking about details now, book in early. If you're not engaged, get engaged quickly. Um, <laughs> you know, just, just, 
plan ahead because even though you know it's a weird one with me we we were engaged and we had the option to kind of rush a red uh, you know rush the wedding or give ourselves a little bit more time but it felt like we were engaged for a little bit longer and I gave myself more time but the reality of it is in the short amount of time or the long amount of time you spend the same amount of time every single day thinking about it and and researching and doing that you'll just it'll just end up completely encompassing the entire time whether you like it or not if you're a girl I mean I'm quite a perfectionist so I definitely harped on some of the details for a little bit longer than I needed to but just plan ahead because you never know what happens closer to the time um, you know, be firm about your decisions because not being able to make a decision is probably what's going to allow you to, you know, miss out on a band or a venue, you know, know what you want, go in, strike early, um, you know, pay your deposits, be aware that it does rain out here. So have a contingency plan, um, you know, all the little things. And, and, and for me, I think the most important is have a good, kind, but aggressive wedding planner if you're going to have one, because it will make your life so much easier. That's awesome. That's great advice. Um, honestly, yeah, I think having, you know, the resources behind you to kind of help push that forward is, is definitely essential for a lot of people. And also, the idea about getting behind it early, I think is is super important, right? I think people right now are mainly thinking like, oh, 2020 is canceled for these big things. So I can just take a vacation mentally from this process until next year. But I think uh, you think that would be a bit too late, isn't it? Yeah. The thing is as well, like starting to have conversations now because most of the venues here do switch off through the off season. So you won't get a huge amount of communication between that gap. At least I know for Surflood, you know, we work, there's a team that works year round, but in terms of getting some straight answers coming out, seeing the space, seeing it in action, like do it now because once the season closes, it's going to be a little bit harder to do that. And then you're kind of falling back into when things open again and there'll be construction and things going on and people doing updates. So try and do whatever you can now, you know, if you can, and if you're able to come out, do that now. Got it. Got it. Great advice and makes sense. Now, let's get back to something that we were discussing a bit earlier, right? So we know that the season's definitely compressed and then it ends. And then you guys ship off back to Australia, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah. So we um, try to disappear through the cold months. We don't do very well in cold. Um, so we disappear around October every year, come back around February. We try to spend as much time in Australia as possible. And we move around quite a bit while we're there and try and get a nice trip somewhere tropical on the way there and back to break up the trip. But yeah, most of the time spent there. We do a little bit, you know, tropical on either end, somewhere like Hawaii to break up the trip. Um, but yeah, for the most part, we are summer year round. That's amazing. And so you visit, I'm supposing, uh, your family, Ollie's family as well. Are you guys from the same part of Australia, different parts? No. So I'm, I'm from Sydney. My whole family's from Sydney. I have a really big family. Ollie um, has his mom and his brother, and they're up the coast in a town called Noosa, which is quite similar to, to Montauk, you know, in some respects. It's a tourist town, but it's beautiful, a real surfer village. Um, you know, it's it's got a lot of elements to it, very touristy, you know, through the peak season and through the holiday period, but year-round, you know, it's it's beautiful weather. So he's that's kind of what he was brought up on. So I think that's why he feels so comfortable out here. And that's something else we wanted to speak to you about, which is we've heard, right? So I haven't been to Australia before. I don't think anyone on my creative team has either, but we definitely want to go, right? When <laughs> travel becomes, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> right 
ability at some point, right? Um, but so we've heard there's great similarity between um, sort of the Gold Coast, right? And that, that surf area of Australia. For us, I mean, we found that Montauk was, it's, it's got that, that beach local culture. So it's a combination of great restaurants, great people, great vibes, barefoot, you know, feet in the sand and, you know, on the road. And it's very casual. It's, um, you know, sunsets and, and I guess, you know, great weather. So for us, this Montauk was almost a, a better version of it because we got the local beach vibe with a mixture of Manhattan because through the summer, that's basically what this town is. It's everyone from Manhattan and beyond. So you get the pace of the city, but brought out to us and we, you know, we have a great house and we have this great situation where we're living by the beach, but suddenly the city's here too. So we never feel like we're living in a small town because it's all brought in here and the restaurants open and there's pop-ups and brands and celebrities and all that kind of happens through the summer. So that's the only difference is in Australia, these beach towns are always going to be a small beach town. But here, Montauk, the only difference is it's like Manhattan is your next door neighbor. So it's, it's basically that energy brought into a beach town. That's amazing. That that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, up on up on the Gold Coast as well. I mean, do you guys get folks from Sydney? Would you like vacation there? You know, when oh, you were growing so I up, I would or? go there every year with my family without fail. Um, and I didn't know Ollie obviously when I was younger, but that was you know. But and and we only knew it as one street where everyone would go to, and it was all the big hotels and the big restaurants. But when I met Ollie and I went down there, there's like hundreds of other secret spots and beaches and towns mm-hmm. and. You know, it's it's very different when you actually live in a town like that. But I know it as a real um, hotspot, you know, tourist destination. That's awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, that's honestly kind of the the point of Dune Road, right? While we started this is like, you know, um, right. So you might have had that one street and where people might know Montauk, right? But there's a whole ecosystem out in the Hamptons as well outside oh, of yeah. just Montauk, right? And so it's not everyone has an Ollie Benz, I guess, right, to show them all the cool spots. So we try exactly. to, you know, people, if you, if you ask around, there's definitely people that will tell you, you know, go up here and drive up here. And, you know, even just some of the restaurants like Navy and, and Duriers and all that, they're off the beaten track. So if you don't ask, you won't see it naturally. Right. Right. Um, and the first time I came here, I didn't really get the town. I thought, I think I went to one place and I probably blacked out because we were all drinking so much and <laughs> I went home and that was it. And that was Montauk for me. So every time I came here, we discovered more and more and you definitely can't figure it out. So we, we originally, and this is a fun fact, is that Ollie and I were desperate to get married out here. Right. And we looked at a bunch of different venues. We looked at the surf lodge, you know, crazily enough, and we desperately wanted to do it. And my parents were like, you know, they came out for the weekend and they're like, it's great. We don't get it, you know, because <laughs> they didn't in one day. And they're like, you can't bring, you know, a hundred Australians all the way to Manhattan and then ask them to drive three hours. Right. So, so, you know, and that, and I get it because it's difficult to understand in one weekend, you can have a great experience, but it can also be really quick and you don't see enough. So I think it's definitely a place that the more you come to, the more you fall in love with. Yeah, no, I think that's definitely true, right? And I hope that maybe one of the, oh, what would I say, the silver linings of COVID, if we can even say such a thing right now, <laughs> would be <laughs> that people are more able to work from home, right? And be more remote and thus spend more time out there, right? And, um, you know, I think for a lot of people, the main constraint is, you know, nine to fiving it in the city during the week, even in the summer. You may have the odd summer Friday, but Hampton's time is severely limited for a lot of folks who are, you know, based in Manhattan. So if this allows people to to be more remote and come out for longer, you know, maybe take advantage of something like the 
month-long stay at Surf Lodge, something like that. You know, yeah, I think that's... I think so. People are definitely not moving around as much. And, you know, I've really enjoyed it. I don't know if it's just because I'm pregnant and it's really nice to kind of have a breather for a second, but it feels like everyone's breathing a slower you know, a slower breath and taking things in more and not rushing and racing and jumping to, from sunset to sunset and this spot to this spot. It feels like everyone yeah. is just at a venue and they're there and they're enjoying it. And and the same thing, just like the people that are coming into the stores, everyone's like, we've been here since March. We're just coming out and we're here till the end. And it just, it there's a really kind of gentle pace, con, you know, as opposed to the the last years, and I still definitely love the last few years, and it worked for me. But maybe I'm just getting older, and <laughs> that, that could be it too. No, no, no. I think I think you're 100 percent right with that. Um, let's let's dive into the stores right now for a second. So yeah. the main flagship, as um, we understand it, is Wild Blue. That was the first, you know, foray, uh, and you followed it up with Wild Black and Baby Pop which are uh, right in a line, we believe, right? And yeah, so they're, they're all in the same complex. Um, there's, it's, it's like the plaza building. Wild Blue was, you know, we started it last year completely unplanned. Um, it was an empty space. And I feel like I knew that from my experience as a creative director and a mom and a stylist and an avid shopper, I was like, I can do this. That mm-hmm. couldn't be that hard. Um, and it was. It was terrifying and very, very difficult. But we did it, we pulled it off and it was, it was a great, it was, you know, a a labor of love because so much went into it and it's so much more work than you realize. And we were so new to it, like very green. Um, So everything was a learning curve and and, and it took a while to navigate how it works. And we kind of got to the end of the season and I was like, all right, I got this. So, you know, opening up the second one felt like a natural progression. It's a very, very different style. So Wild Black kind of follows the Black Amex type of thing where it's a little bit more high end kind of more chic, smart, um, a bit more Manhattan and a little yeah. bit more evening. Um, mm-hmm. But it has, you know, the, the same kind of flow of like home kids, designer finds. It's very, um, you know, lots of little treasures and things that you would never find in a general department store. Um, you know, we've curated it in the same kind of mindset where every, every piece is sourced with the theme in mind. Um, Mm -hmm. and then baby pop was just kind of a little bit more fun. You know, I wanted to, we had a lot of mothers coming and going, where do I shop for my teenager? Or, you know, we want something a little bright and colorful and not as expensive. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of what baby pop is. It's, it's neon, it's tie dye, it's quick buys, it's easy, um, you know, floats for the pool and things for the kids. And it's a really, really fun store. And I think between the three of them, we hit, you know, an array of different customers yeah. They haven't approached men's yet, and I'm still getting heat from my husband about that. But, <laughs> and but me now, too. Yeah, for me, this is where I, where I draw the line. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's kind of it. The three are, are running and operating. I have an amazing team. Um, we were really nervous at the beginning what to expect with the whole scenario um, and things being shut down. But people came in hot, and they're ready to buy, mm-hmm. and they're ready to explore, and I guess – um, you know, they're buying different things because, you, you know, they're not going to the weddings and, and the big events and, and, and that kind of stuff. But they're still looking for the beautiful pieces to take home and spoil themselves after what seems like an eternity of, you know, tracksuit pants and take it out. <laughs> so I think that's Yeah, no, no, you're 100% right with that. Um, no, look, I, I, 
I'm super, super pumped to hear that there is consumer confidence out in the market, right? Because so part of the reason why we started Dune Road was to support, you know, the business community and, and out there and, and COVID had us super worried. So, you know, um, you know, you mentioned also some of the the spots um, that are less on the beaten path, right? Spots like Navy Beach uh, and spots mm-hmm. like Duryea's. Um, those are a lot of the spots that we really created the site for is to bring them up you know, in terms of uh, note and repute and, um, yeah, you know, I mean, places that... like like Durier's and like is my favorite lunch spot. And if I say it to a tourist, they're like, what? How do you spell it? And, and, <laughs> yeah. and they'll come back the next day and be like, that was the most wonderful experience. Like they would have ended up at a cafe, you know, on the side of the road. Yeah. And I think asking is the best thing and, and following companies like you guys, you know, that show a little bit more about the town than just, you know, the train station and how to get yeah. to the hotel. Yeah, no, we try to give a little bit of value add, right? And really lend like a local perspective. Okay, Sasha. So here is the question that really every woman on the team at Dune Road has been dying for me to ask you. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm nervous. You're sourcing. Some of the stuff you find is just like Chanel hair ties. Where does one even find Chanel hair ties, much less in the (laughs) quantity? We're just shocked. when I first opened Wild Blue, I hit a panic. I was like, I don't know where to find all these things. And I was, I'm very specific about what goes into the store. So I basically went into my house, looked around and I was like, where did I buy that? Where did I buy that? And I kind of went through like my mind of like, where have I, I bought things from and how did I reach out to people and brands that I knew? And that was the first thing now that I've kind of got a formula for how I can bring things in and what I pay for and what comes on consignment. Um, and things are actually coming to me a lot more. So, so people are, are, are approaching me saying, Hey, we have, I mean, today a woman brought in a brand new Birkin bag that's never been touched. Mm. Um, and I'm selling for her on consignment. And then I have mm-hmm. like, some stylist friends in the UK that are trying to get rid of some product that they've been holding on to. So I've got all my kind of like little sources and I've, I've got the girls that work for me continually trying to find things. But last year when I traveled, I found a ton of really great suppliers on, on trips overseas. So yeah. we went to Tokyo and I found like three phenomenal vintage stores that I buy a ton of stuff from. I have a lot of connects, you know, from being a stylist for over the past 10 years. Right. So in the showrooms and press offices and things that are sitting there and need to go somewhere or need to be bought at, you know, they can't go to the store and be sold full price. So I go directly to them and I buy some things from them like that. Um, Use my designer discounts every now and then, but most of it is, is kind of coming in through people that I've known from the years and people that are reputable. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm finding new people as it goes, but the ones that have worked for me have been amazing. And I think I've got a bit of a system going now. It's so much work and it's really exhausting going through collections yeah. and lookbooks and all that. And, you know, technically I should have a full-time buyer, but I do that as well because I love it. Yeah, um, but yeah it's, 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 there's no quick answer to that. It's years of experience, years of connections and, relationships and and traveling traveling for me was a big one yeah Tulum last year I found probably 10 to 15 new brands that I brought on this year let's talk about that Tulum trip um when did you guys go what was the plan did you go specifically because you wanted to scout the last time I went was it was actually a work trip and we weren't we were staying a little bit outside of Tulum and it was right around the same time of us thinking about opening a store so I got in a I got Ollie to rent a car on the four hours that we had um, between the job that I was working on 
And we drove along the strip and he just waited in the car with, with the kids. And I ran in and out of stores, taking photos and grabbing inspiration and looking at brands and, and quickly having a chat. And that was how it started. Um, on the way back from Australia this year, we met my brother there and I spent a good two days meeting with people, looking at collections, uh, really walking from one end to the other and grabbing as much inspiration that, that I could um, and reaching directly out to brands. And, and that was, you know, that was a, a little bit more planned and organized but yeah that that was kind of it I've done the same thing in Bali same thing in Australia same thing in Tokyo um I really wanted to do a couple more trips this year but I think that's wiped off the table so everything's a little bit more um digital which is easy too because I don't have to really leave home to do it but you know it all works no yeah definitely and one of the one of the themes I guess right this year especially is that um and maybe continuing into next hopefully not but um, is that travel is going to be much more difficult, right? So to the extent that, you know, people are looking for a more global experience in terms of what they're able to shop and what they're able to buy and that it's not just, you know, something that came out of Bloomingdale's, right? Um, yeah. You guys add a ton of value. Yeah. I love the idea that you couldn't come into the store and find a brand that you could find three stores down or online. Um, some of the things that I have in the store were really difficult to source and find. One of the candle brands that I found, it spent I spent weeks like looking at the label, looking at the name. Like I bought it and I could not figure out for the life of me how to find the supplier. And if it's that hard for someone like me to find it who has the candle in my hand, it should be a really nice thing for someone to be able to take home and, and give as a gift. And there's a story behind it. And I always tell my, yep. my girls who work for me and I walk through the store and I explain to them how I found that brand and where that brand came from. And, and there's a story behind every brand that's in there. And it feels like the people that come into the store have an opportunity to collectively have brands from around the world brought to them without having to leave. Um, you know, it's a really nice edit of Tulum meets Bali and Australia and Tokyo and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really like kind of like, a, I guess, a collection of travel. No, and that's honestly the most glorious thing about it, right? And I'm really honestly impressed by the level of detail you put into it. Um, you know, the store itself, but also your curation. Like you said, you don't have a buyer. You're doing that as well. It's a hell of a lot of work. I think the the folks listening here who who own a business can imagine how much work it is. And it's the small stuff, like the small things that, you know, so much admin and payments and communication with every brand, um, staff training, staff schedules, hours, like every, there's like, you know, even just down to like the POS system and the Wi-Fi and, and there's some elements that if everything is not really in place, it can all fall apart. So yeah. getting it right is very complicated. It's I'd rather perform brain surgery. <laughs> well, I mean, look, given your list of accomplishments, that one, you know, we may not be far <laughs> <laughs> far behind um no but it's amazing and honestly the fact that you are able to do all of that and um you know curate the store in the way you do i mean shoot we can't even send a podcast email correctly so the fact that you're able to do all of that is seriously impressive so this is a good spot to go into the origin story so sasha benz is let's say 20 years old in australia thinking about moving to new york how does this all start so going back, I mean, I traveled for a year. I think while I was on that trip and I, I traveled, I think it was like 12 months straight, you know, and that was before Instagram and all that. So it was really a good Europe trip backpacking around. I think I realized that 
I wanted to do something that wasn't, you know, going into an institution and studying for five years and all that. So when I came back, I kind of poached that to my parents and they almost fell off their chairs. But they <laughs> said, all right, you know, give it a shot. We'll see what you come up with. And I found um, a magazine at the time, which was relatively um, unknown. And they were looking for an intern. And I kind of put my hand up for it. And my parents said, you know, give it a shot, see where it goes. And it was kind of the starting point of a huge styling career that I never really knew that I wanted to do. I always knew I wanted to do something creative and in fashion and my own company or whatever it was. But, um, you know, I interned there and, you know, interns came and left and I kind of kept persisting and stayed there and asked for more hours and did more days and, and proved myself. And I got offered a job assisting the, you know, the head stylist at the time. And it kind of all unraveled from there. So I learned from the best very quickly at a very young age and and kind of got up the ladder very quickly at the magazine because it was so small at the time. So, you know, as an intern, if you go intern at Vogue, you're sitting in a closet with no windows for three years. Whereas here I was sitting at a desk next to the editor and the fashion director and this, and we're all in one room at one time. So it was a great way to kind of get thrown into understanding of how a magazine and the company works and being a stylist and working with big brands and and clothes and designers and and the whole thing was you know expedited so I think I progressed pretty quickly into the career of a stylist at a younger age and I was styling for about 10 years or so I came to New York on a trip for fashion week for a magazine that I was working for I was the creative director there and I I didn't want to leave I knew straight away I was like this is where I want to be we were there for four days and I was like this is this is not enough I need to come back here so I went back and I figured out, you know, how to move out here. I gave my boyfriend at the time, I said, I'm going and I'm going in three months and you can either come or you can wait. And I left and left everything behind. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a visa. I had nothing. I slept on a friend's couch and tried to figure it out. And it took a really long time and a really, it was a really slow kind of eye-opening experience because I realized that while I thought I was doing big things in Australia, it meant nothing when you come to New York. And I had to go back to square one and start asking, you know, I'll, you know, shoot for free and I'll do this. And, and, you know, you really try and put yourself out. And it took a while for me to figure out where I needed to be and what I needed to do. And New York's intense, so it can eat you alive very quickly. It's not as glamorous as it seems. And it's a very lonely city. And I didn't have everyone that, you know, I needed there, my family, my boyfriend, everyone was back home. But we pushed through and eventually I kind of told Ollie, you know, come or go. And he came and he moved out and we started building a bit of a life for ourselves out here. And I could say it it probably took us about six years to find like our place and what we needed to do. Um, you know, he went from modeling to bartending to, you know, figuring out how to pull pennies together just to cover the rent that was, you know, astronomical and all that kind of stuff. So it took us a while to figure it out. Um, and I think when I decided at some point, you know, I was doing all the things that I thought were right, but I needed to do something on my own. And I started, um, an online publication. And that for me was the the kind of like the start of it all. So figuring out that I needed to run the show for the businesses that I wanted to do. Um, and it's, it, it kind of went from there because that's how I got the job at Surf Lodge and things, you know, unfolded from there. And I think it was a matter of um, time as well and, and experiences and, and going through those hardships beforehand to know what worked and what didn't. And obviously just maturity and, and kind of knuckling down and really focusing on what needed to happen. But that's kind of only when things started to really 
work in our favor. Right, right, right. No, so that's, first of all, amazing. All the more, it's it's a testament, I think, to this spirit of grit, right, that I'm coming to understand you really, really embody. And that, you know, when faced with a challenge, right, let's talk about that. When in the span of being in New York, um, did you face an obstacle, right, that you thought, oh, man, there's just no way I'm going to get over this or no way I'm going to get through this. And yet you, you knuckled down, as you said, and, and, you know, found a way. Can you share an experience like that? I think I was always a really hard worker, but I think I balanced work and play pretty well that it worked in my favor. Whereas when I decided to do the online publication, I actually switched off my brain to the party, social, that kind of side. I remember very clearly through that summer, I was home every weekend when Ollie would go out to Montauk to DJ and I didn't go out once. And I was like, I can't because that's three days of my time that will distract me and I won't be focused and mm-hmm. you know it's not just three days because it's the other days that you know maybe you're hangover or you're prepping or whatever sure. it is so yeah. I, I switched off to all that and I knuckled down and I felt like it was an exhausting very um hermit type of way of focusing on getting it done but I did and I think I did it well and I look back at how much work went into it and I'm glad that I did it in that amount of time because who knows how much longer you know you don't you don't get a lot of time to strike at something so and I think that the second that I just really just kind of gave in and, and studied hard, head down, that's when I yeah. started to see real results. So this is, I think, something that's, I, I definitely 100% agree, but I think this is also a great way to show that it's not really unique to some of the careers that are more um, traditionally heads down, like, uh, you know, wanting to be a doctor or a lawyer or a banker or something. But even with your choice of career, right? So you've got the online publication, which by the way, we're talking about allmyfriendsaremodels.com. Is that correct? Yes, yes. So that's Sasha's website. We will uh, circle back to that in a second. But so even with a website that's about, you know, models who are and uh, fashion and beauty and um, health and lifestyle, and these are topics that, you know, you think that, oh, the people who are editing on these and, and writing on these must be out and about all the time, partying, et cetera, et cetera, and just live that lifestyle. And really, the the thing most sort of crucial for for the generation that's coming up now is this idea of oh I don't want to miss out you even in that nexus of society and of that nexus of of business and media um forcibly made yourself sort of miss out right in order to to you know there are certain things that you you have to prioritize and know if they're important or not and you, you start to learn that over time but obviously in you know in my line of what I do the relationships are very important so going to events and doing those type of things are important but you have to be focused know what your purpose is if you're there for business and meeting and having relationships in that angle go in and and focus on that don't get too messy don't you know always need to be at every party that seems like the biggest party I mean it depends what kind of phase of life you're in but if you want to be focused and you want to get ahead you need to really stay in your lane and eye on the prize honestly when I have kids someday I'm going to make them listen to this because yeah (laughs) I I could not agree more um and I think your your kids are definitely lucky to have a mom with that kind of perspective because you know, I have to say this though, that between Ollie and I, we have a very, we have very different personalities. So Mm -hmm. everything that I do and I have to, and I'm not just saying this to give him anything, but we, we are very balanced in all the projects that we do. I don't think I could genuinely do what I do without him being part of it. And it's kind of like the muscle in the brain, but it's, it's, it's like that. And he, 
gives me advice and vice versa. And he's great at that, that bubbly personality. When we go to events and I can't be there, he'll always like, you know, pull the weight there and he'll help me physically with a lot of things. And mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely a team effort. Um, and if you don't have a, you know, a specific partner in your life that can do that, find someone on your team that can, cause it's really difficult to do things on your own, not just because you can't, you know, figure it out as, you know, solo, but it's nice to bounce ideas off people and to get opinions and to, you know, be able to breathe when you need to breathe sometimes. Um, so, and, and I think that between, you know, myself, Ollie, and then my, you know, the girls that work for me, I figured mm-hmm. out a really good balance so that the pressure is not completely weighted on one person. Definitely. I mean, that's sage advice. Um, and everyone, you know, myself included, uh, we all definitely take note. Um, let's do something now. Let's go into some of your quick favorites. So off the top of your head, without thinking about it, best vegan meal, I guess, in Montauk or in the Greater Hamptons, one or the other. Oh, God. I'm trying to think where it does a good one. Because I, you know what, because I, I eat at all the restaurants. No one really does. I mean, like, no one is a specific re- vegan restaurant out here. But at Crow's Nest is my favorite. And they have amazing vegetarian and, and, and vegan options. Same as Natural right. Food and Joni's. All the little cats. Everyone, as the years pass, everyone has a great option. Surf Lodge, I mean, I definitely got in Chef's Ear last year and started like pushing the Beyond Meat and then Just Egg products onto him. So he right. definitely introduced it a little bit more. Um, just so I had something to eat. But everyone here does really good options. The, the quality of the restaurants and chefs and the people that, you know, cook out here, you're, you're going to have a good meal if you come out east. Right. No, that's definitely true. It's funny that, yeah, I'm thinking in my brain now as well. Like, I don't know if I know of one single like vegan only spot. Sasha, maybe we have uh, our yeah, fifth, you, <laughs> your fifth business. Yeah. Do not put me, do not put that in my head. Summer 2021. Watch out everyone. Sasha's vegan cafe coming to Montauk. But Manhattan definitely does it well. So ABCV do oh, a couple yeah. of pop-ups with us, and they're they're phenomenal. That's one of my favorites. Right. So I think that if we can right. push to bring them out, if anyone is listening from their team, um, that's definitely one of my favorites when I go into the city. Right, right. ABCV, got it. Um, definitely true. Okay, so Sasha, you might be a, a vegan, but you do indulge in the occasional drink. Am I correct? Yeah, well, not right now because I'm pregnant. Of course, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. must be also a bigger uh, a big challenge as well. I mean, you're doing let, let's let's just back up for a second. You're running the store all the way down to setting the Wi-Fi up. You're curating all of the stuff in there, uh, including the buying, I'm the styling, etc. Pregnancies do not affect me in a negative way, so it's it hasn't. You know, I, I definitely feel pregnant, but it doesn't really slow me down at all. And ladies and gentlemen. We have just unveiled Superwoman. Her name is actually Sasha Benz. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I think that I'm very lucky. My mom was like that too. I have a lot of friends that really suffer. They're really sick and go through all that kind of stuff. And I never have had that. And this is the first year I've been pregnant through the summer. I normally give birth like the other two kids were born like right at the beginning. So I've always right. been one. So I think mm. I timed it really well, not only through COVID and this you know, lockdown period, but nothing really that crazy or important is happening over the summer. And then baby's due at the end of the season and I get to just kind of travel after that. So I think I I think for the first time I got the timing right. What is it that you can't do? Maybe that's the next question because you seem to have it all sort of perfect. No, I mean. I am technically challenged when it comes to like, like 
things around the house. I'm I'm great with like I'll fit. I know how to put on the figure out the Sonos and do all this kind of stuff. But like, yeah. there's some things that I just refuse to figure out, and I'm just like, Ollie's got this. So like, if you look at my phone, I have like. I like I, I haven't really like figured out Spotify yet. I'm one of the only people in the world that don't use it because Ollie's the music guy. Right. So there are certain things that I don't think it's because I can't do it. I just choose not to because some you know he's got that that side. Yeah, of thing. fair enough, fair enough. No, and look, it's always good to have someone who's got your. I have like three songs on my phone. If someone asked me to plug it in the party, I'd be mortified. <laughs> well, then it's a good thing you're married to uh, you know the number one <laughs> DJ in Montauk. I mean that's. The, the combination to have. Yeah. Okay. Last question. Your favorite or best or wildest or craziest moment um, from your younger days at partying? What's the story that, you know? I don't think you want to open this conversation. <laughs> I was <laughs> it, wild when I was younger. I was. Is this the next podcast? Or are we just going to record a second episode of Sasha's Partying Story? Like, this is like pre-children. Um, we call it BC. Yeah. And actually, my nickname was Wild Child for many, many years. Um. I think Ollie probably tamed me down. And if anyone knows Ollie, he's not a tame person. So I've got all my partying years out between the ages of about 17 to 24. And right. I mean, really, really, if I think about my children ever doing the things that I did, because I, <laughs> I was, it was like death defying kind of partying and behind my parents' back and all that. And I think that they also knew that too at the same time. But, you know, yeah. it was like sweet, sweet and innocent daytime at night the devil came out yeah 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 what were your favorite spots in the city well a lot of our friends worked at places we would always find the local australians south side and and things like that so we'd always find the spot where everyone would congregate and then we would just stay there till all hours there was this restaurant um kingswood right yeah great spot a lot of nights i don't remember going there and there was that secret bar in the basement of it what was it called baddies i think Baddies. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That was a good inning. Yeah. Acme was one of the spots when, when I was there. Yeah, Acme is somehow still still kicking it. Um, I noticed that Ollie DJ there back in 2015, so I was going to ask him about that and what that was that like was, and whether he was playing That was one of the first spots he ever DJed. So he became a DJ by default. Um, I think it was at Southside. One of the DJs didn't show up. One of my friends was promoting. He's like, man, I need you on the decks and just plug in your phone and figure it out. And that was the end <laughs> Because he knew that I was good with music and probably had some good tunes. And he's like, just wing it because it's either that or nothing. And I think that's oh how it got him. He was like, this is cool. I could do this and get paid for it. That's amazing. That's fully amazing. That, I mean, I'm, you know, you know, I'm going to have to ask him about that. That's absolutely. That's I'm sure he'll yeah. tell you a much more like uh, extravagant story about it. But that was pretty much the gist of it. All right, guys. Well, you heard it here first, one on one with Sasha Benz in the prelude to Fourth of July weekend, twenty twenty. Be sure to stop in to her stores, Wild Blue, Wild Black, Baby Pop, and also the Pop Up Shop. And Sasha, if you want to tell people, um, you know where um, the Pop Up will be happening, and also you know what to look out for, what's special coming up in the stores, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're around July 4th weekend, it's the best weekend to be out here. I will be in the stores. Come say hi. Don't be shy. Um, the stores are on the main street, 716 Montauk Highway. The pop-up is out the front of Baby Pop, so you can't miss it. Um, say hi to my girls. I will be around. And, you know, if you have any questions or any follow-ups from this interview, where to go, where to eat, best lobster roll. And I think you were going to ask me about the best drink, and I still have intel on that. 
You know what? That's a good one. We won't ask about the best drink. Folks, if you want to know Sasha Bench's drink recommendation, you're going to have to show up and find out from the superwoman herself. You might, you might get mobbed. <laughs> no. I'm friendly. I promise I don't bite. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for having me. All right, Sasha. Thank you so much. All right, guys, there you have it. Sasha Benz in her own words. I'm sure we'll catch up at some point again later in the summer for a part two, including what must be some crazy party stories. But in the meantime, for more information, including links and show notes, head over to duneroadlifestyle.com forward slash vibes, click on the episode, and you'll find everything there. All right, y'all. Till next time. Rex Strategy for Dune Road Lifestyle. Peace.